the bad and of course as samiran says we are so rad but no that's not what the season 3 is all about it's the good the bad and the tech we had so we're going to cover a whole bunch of technologies that were there in the past which we've left behind as we've kind of spiraled into the future and we've talked about some technology in our previous episode on the 2050 tech so welcome to 3 techies banter season 3 you all know this uh, it's a podcast where you can explore tech in the non-tech way it's about how tech and the economics behind tech impact us today and in the future it's full of fun information lots and lots of facts common sense views from different people that we've met interacted with and is spoken in a language that each one of us can use in our drawing rooms when we talk to friends so welcome and today's episode which is the first in the season is all about immersive experiences experiences that we went through together in dublin and i'm going to hand over to nilesh to start with how the immersive experiences are going to be spoken about okay so we start the section with our first immersive experience in dublin and uh, this experience was around uh, taste so like uh, samirna was talking that we will kind of provide different segments around each of the senses that kind of tickled imagination and the first sense that we picked up was uh, the taste and this was the whole experience in the guinness factory right i'm i'm sure each one of you is aware of what guinness is but for the unaware guinness is a irish stout it is a kind of a very dark colored almost i, I think guinness guys are calling red. it some ruby, ruby color it's called Ru- the ruby, ruby red. red ruby red ruby red for me it is almost black so <laughs> so it is a stout and in this uh, the barley is roasted you know almost to the level that it can burn if you go 1 degree above you know that roasting level so it is very dark and it has a, a special taste and flavor and aroma this guinness factory and why why we wanted it's the good of the technology that we are talking of here right these immersive experiences few of them which we had together in dublin some of them we'll talk about uh, which we had as individuals the fact is this immersive experiences were made possible by technology okay and i have to jump in directly in the most 
you know, uh, something that baffled us or, or at least, you know, it was something which was amazing was how Guinness factory, you can take a photograph of yourself and it will be printed on the head of the Guinness uh, beer. And they call it a stouty. It's a, it's a, you know, selfie stouty because it's a Irish stout. And it was just amazing. I'm sure that this, this was made possible. I mean, technology made it possible, but the fact, the, the fact is that the head of Guinness is quite, quite important uh, part of pouring Guinness itself. And the head has certain amount of body to it. Uh, probably you can never do that on a, on a head of a beer. But uh, this part was just amazing. All of us clicked. I- I'm sure some of you would have seen Samiran's, you know, Samiran's uh, DP on Twitter, uh, which has this. Uh, is, so, so it was just amazing, yeah, this stouty part of it. But for those of you who haven't seen Samiran's Twitter, uh, yes, you can go and follow him on Twitter. But we promise that the cover for this episode, right, will have our stouty on it. So the design for this episode's cover will definitely have our stouty, the three of us together, uh, just for your reference. And I wonder if you're giving too many trade secrets away there for of Guinness. But I think the whole experience of going into that place, it, it literally felt like you were inside a living brewery, really. And uh, and in the first thing I was really stunned by Arthur Kennis's foresight that he knew that even 9,000 years later, beer will be fashionable, which is why he's taken out a 9,000-year lease on that property, which is fantastic. Ultimately, storytelling and immersiveness is all about, you know, stickiness, right? You know, there need to be facts that stick in your head and all. So, you know, they have this beautiful section there which talks about the how the history of gain, uh, gain is, is literally like the history of transportation and the fact that, you know, it has probably been transported by any and every means of transport, you know, whether it's uh, ships, horses, uh, railway carriages, of course, planes. And in fact, the last four ships apparently that they use were called the Guinness ladies. They were all named after women of the Guinness family. So, of course, the, the other thing which which I kind of came back with is that I actually was never drinking Guinness right. Because, you know, you typically when you drink beer, you kind of sip at it, right? So, this is, you know, if you sip at Guinness, apparently you're getting it all wrong. So, you need to kind of literally suck at it literally that you know you need to like like literally have a big large gulp so that you know you kind of get all of it think of it as having a very big layered cake where you want to kind of get to the bottom in the same cut so you've got to take it all in apparently different parts of your mouth kind of different tastes get activated as that drink kind of goes down your throat and and in fact even that whole tasting experience of you know going from a completely white room where you know you're supposed to kind of wash off all previous experiences is just like having a arrowroot or a mari biscuit before you kind of taste anything and then you kind of go into this other place where you kind of then drink that it was just fantastic how just the simple process of having beer can be so memorable and so beyond taste you know i mean it kind of they engage you in more ways than just the beer right it's it's the whole sensibilities the barrel the water flowing the barley the i mean and of course the history of it all it's absolutely true and i think what we all felt is that as technology has advanced they've taken the most 
innovative of pieces of technology and converted that experience into a holistic experience for you. So whether it's the use of videos, whether it's the use of sounds, whether it's the use of space and, you know, bringing together that aromas, etc. All of that, I'm sure, couldn't have happened say, 50 years ago or 60 years ago. But it's as technology that has come in that you're able to heighten the senses dramatically. And then to end on a high note, like Nilesh said, on a stoutie, which you can take back forever with you. Again, not possible. There was no way we could have done a stoutie, let's say even 30 years ago when you, or 50 years ago when, you know, you had cameras and you could have taken a picture. But to translate that picture through technology to print, and it's almost like doing a digital print, you know, on the form of the beer, which is phenomenal. And you you realize that there is somebody out there who's saying, and we all talk about it, right? When we talk about marketing and we talk about brand building and we talk about stickiness, we talk about user experiences and user experiences in a way that you will never forget and in a way that it creates so much of virality and word of mouth. And I think what Guinness has really done is take all of the technology that it can use to create fantastic user experiences, memorability, and leave you with a space where you can't help but share that experience with everyone you meet. And I think they've achieved all of this at the Guinness Factory. And that's what makes that experience so wholesome uh, for us. And just to add, I mean, it is a known thing that, you know, when you come to Dublin, uh, Guinness Factory visit is a must. I like what Saviran mentioned about the stickiness. You know, for me, if you retain stuff after your visit, it means that it had something special about it. And we are talking about it today. The retention is very high. And for me, you are a marketing person. For me, I was not aware of uh, the whole marketing behind Guinness. It was just fantastic for us. If you're not in that marketing field in india guinness was hardly there right so the their messages particularly the you know the and they they have this whole room where they are showing their past you know um, advertisements and messages and you can click photographs with uh, that kind of memorabilia it was amazing so in fact the other thing that really uh, stuck with me uh, was the harp itself, you know, which is the emblem and the fact that it is such a powerful brand that the symbol of Ireland, which is also a harp, had to actually be flipped the other way because the the harp in its correct form is actually the emblem of Guinness, you know, which kind of tells you what the power of that brand uh, is. And, and I don't know, but as an advertising person, I remember the whole fish commercial, right? And where uh, they have the fish cycling away and uh, there's a little quote at the bottom of it. It says, a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle. And it just stays with you, right? Um, it is absolutely brilliant. And Guinness advertising has always been um, cutting edge. But to be able to bring a live the advertising, not through by just playing the ads on video, but to create uh, installations out of the advertising and make them interactive at that. Remember, Samiran, the picture where you were asking me to lift a beam. Um, that's again part of their advertising, right? So right, they've right. taken communication and any boring uh, person would have just put a really nice 3D wall with lots of screens and put the ads playing there. They have created fun, interactive installations out of their communication. And I think that's what I mean when I say that it's about using technology 
to make it that much more immersive uh, and that much more integrated and you know you kind of become a part of the whole experience uh, and engagement with uh, Guinness and I think that's what's wonderful about that space. Okay so let's uh, end this segment and in the next uh, segment we'll talk about another sense which is uh, sight. Uh, so, so we'll talk about some of our immersive experiences uh, in that segment. So for our uh, next uh, experience, uh, we thought, uh, you know, nothing could be more, uh, should I say, pleasing to the eye than going for the Van Gogh uh, immersive experience. You know, uh, I've been meaning to do this in Bombay and, you know, going through the book, my show, finding a slot and it call it serendipity or whatever. You know, we just happened to be in Dublin and we all happened to be together. So, you know, we just thought we'll make a day of it. You know, there is so much you don't know. I mean, there's so much you know and think you know, but there is just so much you don't know about Van Gogh as a person. Starting with the fact that he just lived for 37 years. You know, I mean, that's that's fantastic. You know, and I think the bulk of all his work came in the last 10 or years of his life. And you know, he did some uh, 1,100 drawings and 900 paintings. And that, you know, so the last 10 of his years of his life, he created a bulk of those, which is kind of an average of a new piece every 36 hours. You know, that's that was the rate of his uh, output. Again, stuff that most of you may know, that I think the top five paintings sold in the world in terms of price are all Van Gogh's, which, which is kind of, again, a crazy thing. And even after his passing... 100, 150 years, he remains a very influential figure because Google search yields more than 90.7 million mentions of the artist even today, which is kind of he's responsible for driving a lot of internet traffic as well. So it's only fair that we kind of went and went through this experience. And I think there is something to be said for experiencing it with friends because, you know, each one takes away something different. And when you come out of it, you know, you Everybody's influenced in a different way, you know, including, you know, who he was, why he cut off his ear and, you know, why he fought with Paul Gagoa and all the rest of it. So uh, I think all in all, an extremely, extremely moving experience. And I'll let uh, Sheetal and Nilesh kind of talk a little more about how they experienced it from their perspective. So, um, you know, the the debate classically is, is he Van Gogh, Van Gogh, etc. And I love the way he, in one of his quotes, he says, all my paintings are signed as Vincent because the second name most people can't pronounce. <laughs> and I thought that was so wonderful, <laughs> right? Uh, because he, Actually, all of his paintings are signed Vincent and it's quite fascinating to see that because how difficult is it for one doesn't know and yes, we can say that it's a uh, it's a proper name and therefore you can pronounce it the way you feel like pronouncing it. But I love the fact that somebody said, I'm going to sign it Vincent because you'll never be able to pronounce my second name. I think all three of us uh, thoroughly enjoy art and therefore being together uh, made it that much more memorable for us. But the way the paintings were laid out the use of light, the use of storytelling, uh, videos and creations, right? So they've they've created, again, very highly interactive moments where you can actually sit or walk into the space where he lived, the small room where he was kind of isolated for a long, long while. It takes you back to saying that, you know, you saw life the way he would have lived it. I, 
I also remember we went through this uh, interactive place where they were talking about all of his paintings and then they talk about the fact that he was colorblind. I'm sure a lot of you who love art are already aware of this. And in that, they showed us how he would have seen his paintings, right? And that to me was such a moment of truth. Uh, and I don't think that could have happened if there wasn't technology to kind of aid us into seeing how he saw it as a colorblind person, what his paintings were and why he used the colors that he used. Because when you see that painting from his eyes, you realize, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. And I think that was one big moment of truth for me. The other moment of truth, and I'm sure Nilesh will also talk about that, is when you go into this room where they have these beautifully placed recliner chairs and all around you, there is images going up and, you know, there's transitions of his paintings and all of that. And I personally was reduced to tears when I saw some of those paintings and some of those quotes. And the mood was set not just because of the way uh, technology was used, but it was also the use of music. It was also the fact that when you walked into that room, you almost felt like you'd walked into a temple, a place where you would worship art. Um, there was so much happening in that room, which activates so many things in your brains, which you would not ever be able to do when you walk into a cluttered art gallery where people are talking, walking, commenting on paintings, etc. This just takes you to where he is and it's about you and him and his art. And I think it was for me almost like a temple which I had walked into. I don't know, Nilesh, how you felt because I know you were sitting right next to me and taking in every bit of it. So all yours. I think one of the things I'll, I'll take away from what you said was about that whole colorblind piece, you know. Honestly, once you see how he would have seen the painting, that is when you realize that for a person who was so conflicted, probably depressed, complex personality, you know, had a, you know, he killed himself in the end, right? How his paintings are so colorful, so bright. He uses like the most, I think color is, is something that makes him a very different class, right? Uh, when you compare with other painters and then you see how he sees it. You realize that, okay, this is correct. It is dejected. It is conflicted, you know, but uh, he was picking uh, the wrong colors. <laughs> but I, I don't know, maybe it, it was just luck or whatever, but I absolutely love the use of colors and brush strokes and uh, stuff like that. So that was interesting. The other immersive part, like you mentioned, Chitil, you know, the way it was laid out, I think I loved the way they have created a 3D version of his paintings, right? Which is just amazing you know every element laid out and a painting has become a, a two-dimensional stuff has become a, a three-dimensional stuff and again uh, technology was involved in doing such things another piece was so fantastic was his his room his his you know his little room they created that room an exact replica of the painting uh, of his bedroom and you could actually go and sit in it and click yourself. So that was just amazing because when you click it, you are actually in the Van Gogh painting. That part for me was just too good. One bit which we didn't have enough time to do, but it is very interesting, is the whole AR-VR bit. So again, coming back to the technology piece, so you can wear 
they'll provide you with the uh, headset and you actually walk through and you know live a day in life of uh, mango in his you know in, in the village he was staying in france and um, uh, you know have a complete 3d view of the places he went and stuff like that so i think it was just brilliant the storytelling the technology used like sheetal you mentioned it brought you to tears it was like the one of the most amazing ways of experiencing van gogh and his creation i i'm really not sure whether the mumbai one is a exact replica by the way because when you go i, I guess I'm, I'm once i sure. go back to mumbai uh, if it is still on samira maybe you and i can go for it and see whether it's the same thing yes, yes. some piece of yes. investigative journalism <laughs> yes, and then we can talk about it and see whether it's exactly the <laughs> same or if it is slightly different but it would it would be fun and if if they have the arvr headsets then maybe we should do it this time in mumbai and kind of take it from there no no absolutely and in fact uh, i think that uh, the last part where we sat and saw that you know it was really like a planetarium view of the paintings moving and you know interactivity and i think that starry nights on their own we see the boats moving so i was kind of literally shivering uh, i think it was probably the temperature frankly it was really cold <laughs> but uh, so the other thing which i definitely didn't know was the huge influence that or at least a period of his life when he was influenced by japanese art that you know I, and uh, you know he actually recreated prints of Japanese artists, I think, some like Hiroshenge or something. So they were, actually they they actually shows the paintings that the original master painted and how he did it. But he was very very influenced by their brushwork and their painting, and so that also tells us that while he had his own style, he wasn't scared to kind of borrow or be influenced or be taught by people who he thought were you know different or better than him. And I think every step of that was. a learning experience I and mean, whether it was the economics of it about you know the commerce that it might have yielded the technology deployed or then of course the just the pure art uh, the fact that you know someone created something like this in such a short span of time and it was truly stunning so so amir on that actually makes me think of the fundamentals of marketing which says you can't market a bad product at the end of the day however much of technology <laughs> use a bad product is a bad product so if you took a really bad artist and just started doing all of this i'm not sure it would work it works because the product per se is brilliant and i think that's true even of guinness right um, there is a following i mean all of us loved the guinness stout i'm not a fan of dark beers and stouts and things like that and i enjoyed every bit of that stout so i think it has to be backed by a fantastic product and i think that's the fundamental that you cannot sell a bad product even if you use the best of technology it will fail and we've seen that in the world of technology itself i mean think of all the bad brands in the world of technology which have disappeared because <laughs> it's just bad product i think that brings us to the end of this piece of the arts and you know user experiences and we'll go into the third piece which is really about music and engaging experience so we'll come back in the next segment with music and engaging experiences so welcome back and this is the last um segment in our user experiences episode and i'm talking about this because this is one experience that i had independent of nilesh and samiran and i was in london and i went for the abba voyage concert 
And uh, for those of you who don't know about this, and I'm sure all of you know about it, if you're a fan of ABBA like we are, this is where uh, they have created the avatars of ABBA and they call them the avatars, A-B-B-A-T-A-R-S, uh, which I think is very sweet. And you go into uh, the ABBA arena and it's almost like you're transported into a live ABBA concert. And um, you see the avatars on stage and you see them scaled up and brought closer to you, etc. The beautiful thing about it is it brings their music alive. It brings them alive and the avatars are done when they were young. So it's almost like you were transported back to the days when they were in their heydays and, you know, young and peppy and all of that. And there's a live band which plays with this whole thing. So it's absolutely mind-blowing how a live band with their voices, uh, their avatars, and their avatars are moving on stage uh, and, you know, you're seeing the projections of it. And the detailing of each of those avatars is mind-boggling. I mean, kudos to the people who put this whole thing together. But the more interesting thing about this, and um, they do not allow you to take any pictures or any videos once the concert starts. Okay, so we have nothing that we can share with you. And I understand why, because it is something that you have to be in there to experience. It's not something that you can watch on video and have fun with. It just isn't one of those experiences. But what was different about the avatar experience, ABBA experience versus the other two was how the experience starts way ahead of time. Okay. And I love the way they've marketed this. As a marketing person, I thought it was the most brilliant piece that I've come across. So it starts with from the time you get the tickets on your phone, uh, if you take an e-ticket or if you decide to get the tickets delivered, it starts from there. And then they have special buses and coaches which can take you to the ABBA arena. And in the coaches, they have the psychedelic uh, music and sound and, you know, things happening. And then you arrive at the arena and the arena is designed in a special way because you you kind of come into the time of the ABBAs, right? Which was all this, uh, if you're a fan of ABBAs, you know, the flared pants and the bling and all of that. So the, the light, the sound, the music in the area where you enter is all about that. So it's almost like you're transported from dreary grey London skies to the movement of ABBAs and uh, of ABBA. And that is phenomenal. So the marketing is all through and it was one of those concerts, uh, Samiran and Nilesh, where we would have never felt out of place. There were so many people in their 50s and above who were there. And the thumping, the people singing along, all of that just brings the whole concert feel alive for you. So I think that for me is a game changing experience. I'm a big proponent of this. And I've told everybody, if you ever go to London, you have to go and see this if you love ABBA. Uh, so that I think is about music and technology and everything in that place is all tech. I mean, it is so much of high-tech use. It's tech for lighting, tech for impact, tech for creating the avatars, tech for uh, engaging you as a user. It's just all tech which has made this possible. And, um, you know, in one of our episodes, we were talking about, I think the 2050 episode, uh, we were talking about whether people should live forever or not. And I think this is a great way for people to live forever without really occupying space on the planet. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you become immortal in a different way altogether. 
I think the other thing, you know, kind of respect that you get for this group is because ABBA as a as a group has been trying different stuff and uh, trying to be relevant and very unlike, right? Uh, there are, you know, from our era, there are so many other groups which are legendary rock bands or soft rock and stuff like that but no one has uh, kept themselves relevant over the years may it be a movie and you know all the stuff that abba does come out with a retro album they are the ones who are doing it or they have a good marketing <laughs> machinery behind them to keep them relevant but that's so, so that's true amazing. um nilesh because they've they've stayed relevant through four generations or three generations and so first if you were an abba fan and you were that age and all of that and then they did the mama mia which was a theater rendition and then they did abba gold uh, which was bringing it back and then mama mia the movie 1 and mama mia the movie 2 and at every point in time they've taken a new generation and reinvented themselves for this generation and for me i saw so many young people as much as i saw all the older generation so many young people who came in there i think just to experience the tech and the show and the music in a completely new format and in a completely new avatar if i may call it that and that's what i think is fantastic about it so yeah samiran any other thoughts on music and uh, tech so i think uh, so obviously we were not there at aba but i remember that uh, reading you know so i think michael jackson and jimmy hendrix they done these hologram shows i think 2014 billboard awards 2015 some other awards jimmy hendrix did it the one that i think in terms of experiential comes closest at least for me is you know this amir raza hussain had done this the ramayan i think in bombay where they actually had moving sets so i mean i won't say it's like tech tech but the fact that you know so i think i, I remember that the indian railways had provided them with tracks so that you know they could move everything stayed still and the stage moved so every time you moved and there was a different set and you moved around it and then i think he did it again with play on kargil where you know the whole story of kargil was played out but what was moving essentially was the stage you know you kind of they took you near the mountain and they took you into some soldiers briefing and they took you somewhere else and uh, so that i thought itself was so powerful and then i think i saw one ramanujan show which was i think just about lights and timing and performance and just you know it was just fantastic in terms of what they were able to execute there so completely with you on the fact that you know any performance any experience gets enhanced when it's not something more than the primary sense is also engaged i i guess it's if if a memory comes alive because you know you start thinking oh you know abba and when i was growing up in my college or you know what you see and of course what you hear and as we saw other in the guinness case you know is what you smell also while you are tasting and you know that kind of just uh, brings other things alive so No, no. I think the and in fact, the we we did one little episode on immersive experience where it also talked about how uh, the reason for immersive experience is really about to bring alive the empathy in you, which means you can kind of be in the other person's shoes. So empathy has many connotations and all that, but I'm just saying that you can be in the other person's shoe and experience it the way they would have wanted you to be in that moment. So I think that itself in across these three is. is amazing for me. Um so I think that's really all about immersive experiences and and 
I think there's so much technology now available. And I know I, I was reading on LinkedIn, somebody saying this is the death of the metaverse and blah, blah, blah. And uh, it's my favorite topic. So I keep bringing it back. But the fact is that you could build really amazing immersive experiences as a brand owner, irrespective of what category you belong to, right? You could do such fun immersive experiences in retail stores, could build immersive experiences as a brand for your products and things like that. And I think it's only about being able to engage the right creative people to be able and the right tech people to come together and say, what is the magic that we can create for user experience and user engagement? So this brings us to the end of another episode of Three Techies Banter. If you liked our banter, especially the this one on immersive experiences, which for us has been a very, very personal thing where we've come together. We've met each other after a long while because of Nilesh moving to Dublin, but it was a great time that we had over there. So this is a special episode and that's why it's the first episode of our um, season three. If you liked our banter, then please share the episode. Don't forget to follow the show. We're available on all major platforms. If you're on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a rating. It helps our podcast grow. Until the next time when we bring you some more interesting tech on the good side of tech.